Lord, bless this, this reading, consideration of your word, that we would really take it to heart and let your word seep into our heart and soul and change us and, and let you have your way with us. Um, so we be your people, called by your name, changed by you and into the likeness of your son. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we talk about that love. Love is the greatest and the highest. And, and I want to get us thinking here about when, if you, can you think of a time when a friend helped you in a radical way, like an extreme friendship, right? And uh, Mark chapter 2 tells us the account of four extreme friends. It's probably a familiar story. I'll summarize it here. So we have four men carrying their paralyzed friend on a litter, and they're trying to get him to Jesus, but they can't get into the house because the crowd is too too, too crowded, too, they can't get through. So they go up on top of the house and they start pulling back the tiles and they create a great big opening and they lower their, the litter with their paralyzed friend down into the room where Jesus was. And Jesus forgives the man his sins and he heals them and the man picks up his mat and he walks. Uh, but I think of those four friends which um, is what a great example they are of the golden rule from Matthew 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And so the, in this verse, it's very rightly, it's been labeled by men as the, the golden rule and because it, it answers the question, you know, how should you live as a follower of Jesus Christ? How should you live as a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, the, the golden rule. The golden rule is the guiding principle of Christian living. And so if your life and your religion, your practice does not consider this verse in, in almost everything, then you have left out something essential. And, and the significance of these words, it's found right here in the larger verse. Uh, the verse begins with, so, so, <laughs> which, which means in conclusion, in conclusion, uh, because right before this, Jesus was teaching, we read it earlier, you know, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. And verse 11, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, <laughs> whatever you wish others would do to you, do unto them. So, now, now three weeks ago, we, we looked at, at the, these verses, the ask and the seek and the knock, we, and we, we dwelt on this truth of how God is gracious, just how wonderfully gracious he is. And we, rece we ask and we receive undeserved goodness simply because God is gracious. And, and, and so we, we may ask from him and we may seek and we may knock, uh, not because we're so good, <laughs> but because he is so good. We just ask because we're needy and God is good. And then we, and we expect to receive based on how good he is, not, not anything about ourselves. And Jesus' conclusion to that wonderful news of how gracious God is, is that well, we, who are his followers, is, we should live like children of God. We, we should live like we share in that same gracious nature 
that God has. And so we have those words, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And then Jesus confirms the centrality of this teaching, and again with his next words, for this is the law and the prophets. I mean, that law and the prophets, that's a summary phrase to summarize the whole Old Testament. He said, everything written, all scripture given thus far, this teaching, this guiding principle is the law and the prophets. And the, that phrase, the law and the prophets, also forms very nice bookends for the core content of the Sermon on the Mount. Because in, in Matthew 5, I think it's uh, 17, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then a little bit later, verse 19, whoever does them, meaning the law and the prophets, and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then so throughout the core section, which has been our, our sermon teaching series for many months now, Jesus taught how to live righteously and to live without hypocrisy, so to, to, with a pure heart toward your neighbor and also toward God. And so here, in today's verse, Jesus concluded that the guiding principle of the law and the prophets is this, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Now, I'm sure all of you have, have heard this verse before and try to live by it. I, I, I'm, I don't, you don't need to be convinced that it's important. I know this. <laughs> But I don't know that I need the reminder, and I assume therefore that all of you need the reminder, just how important it is. And we need that reminder that, that we, each of us, we need to take time to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, you know, am I living as Jesus taught? Am I, li am I living this out? Um, or have I forgotten <laughs> and kind of let it slip out? And so the, the question then is, well, what does this look like? What does it look like to live this way? And since Jesus says this is the guiding principle of Scripture's teaching and instruction for living, well, we can look at Scripture, and it teaches us. It gives us examples of how to do this. And uh, even just a quick review of the Sermon on the Mount will give us a lot to work on. So when we look at um, chapter Matthew 5 here, 5 and 6, what we've been covering the last couple months, hopefully it's a little familiar still. Hopefully it's still in your brains a bit. Um, Jesus started, you know, about anger and judgment, anger between you and a brother. And how do you judge your brother when you are sinned against? And so, well, let's apply the golden rule here. Do you, do you wish to be judged gently and mercifully? Well, then that's how you ought to treat others. Then Jesus talked about lust and adultery. So, golden rule, okay, how do you wish to be treated? Do you wish to be looked at as a person and not an object? To be treated with, with dignity and respect? Well, then that is how you ought to treat other people. Do you wish others to be faithful to you, devoted to you? Then be faithful and devoted to others. Do you wish others to deal with you honestly? Do you wish to have people in your life you can trust? Well, then you be honest in all your dealings with others. Do you hope that in your hour of need, someone will intervene on your behalf? They'll, they'll, they'll be like those four friends lifting the paralytic on the litter, that just like them, someone will show you mercy? 
and bring help to you or bring you to where the help is, well, then are you doing that? Are you ought to show others mercy. Do you wish that others would give you good counsel and advice? That, that, could, that could be a tricky one, right? Because like, uh, you, you can give people advice, you can't make them take it. Um, and also, we all, we've all experienced that, you know, no one really likes someone who is constantly offering unsolicited advice. Um, you start to feel like either they must think you, you are just a, a poor lost sheep who just doesn't know how to think for themselves. <laughs> or that they think that they're the, the most wise fount of wisdom ever, right? That, or it, it, that can be annoying. Um, but people, but we all need wisdom. We all need advice. We all need counsel. And if you see someone do, doing something foolish, I mean, it's right to speak up and how we go about it, right? Will you politely ask permission to speak into their situation? And if they, they do and they hear you, but they won't listen, oh, oh fine. I mean, you, you can't make them, right? Can't make them. But you've offered, but you've, you've put the wisdom out there. But on the other side, many people are craving guidance and instruction, and they're lost and they're confused. So it's a good question to ask yourself. I mean, if someone sincerely asked you for advice or even asked you to mentor them, I mean, would you, would you make time to do it? Would you, as you would want to be treated, would you do to others in that regard? And we can keep going through here. I mean, we talk about provision, just the, the, the physical, tangible help. You know, are you willing to help others with your time or your talent, your skills, your tools? To help with a meal, with oh, to give someone a ride, to help watch a child. Um, everyone, it's someday or another, or some week or another, needs just practical, logistical, physical needs to help their day work, right? And what about comfort? You know, in people's hour of loss or grief or suffering, are you willing to sit with them and mourn with them and comfort them? Uh, we, we often shy away from these times because they're awkward and because we don't know what to say. And the, the good news is usually it's best us to say nothing at all and just be there with them and mourn with them so they're not alone. We also look here just around the world. Christians around the world, all around the world are doing these types of things, and they're doing them in big ways and little ways. And often you'll see after a natural disaster, you'll hear about a Christian ministry or a, or a church who overnight they showed up with people and trucks and food and water and clothing and, and helping hands to dig through debris. Um, and, and a lot of those people were volunteers who, who gave up their own time on their own vehicles to get there. Um, and that's, I mean, that is living out this, this do unto others, being the hands and feet of Jesus, being that mercy. But I also want to point out that the little ways you do this for your neighbor right here in town are just as important. Just as important. And so that, that, that's enough, I think, more than enough to give us a, a vision, a starting place of, the, of this principle in action, the golden rule in action. Um, scripture could, you know, there's always more to learn and grow in this, but it, it, we have a, a what now. What does this look like? How, what are we striving for? But once we know what it is, what we're trying to do, it doesn't mean we just 
find it easy to start doing that, right? The question is, how can you live this way? And you live this way, the answer is God's grace, dependence upon his grace and upon his Holy Spirit empowering and working in you. And, and it's important we recognize this because without grace, without the keeping God's grace foremost in this, you'll start thinking of this. It's, it's very easy to think of the golden rule like karma, like, uh, like an equation. Well, you know, well, to get respect, you have to give respect. You know, to have good friends, you have to be a good friend. The more you use civility, the more it will be used towards you. Almost kind of like this, what, what goes around comes around back to you sort of thing. And I mean, and there is certainly some truth to this. No one just changes overnight and magically becomes civil without a good example to follow, right? We, we, the, the, we need good examples if we're going to change. But it's also true, and we, we, we have to expect this, that there's going to be bad actors who are going to take advantage of your kindness, and, and they're not going to be changed by it. We, we, so we have to expect that. We have to know that. And so you can't live by the golden rule for what you expect to get out of it. That, that can't be your motivation, your, your, your energy, and your strength for doing this for what you're going to get out of it. And we, we see Jesus, as we've covered before, he taught this based on the undeserved grace of God. So the golden rule is based on the grace of God acting, doing good for those who don't deserve it and probably won't return it and doing it anyway. So going back to that question, okay, well, if you wish to be treated with dignity, well, then you ought to treat others this way. And not because you want it to, it to come back around to you, but because you recognize, because if you can recognize your need to be treated with, with dignity and respect and love, then you can recognize that your neighbor needs it too. And so you ought to graciously give it to him regardless of whether he deserves it or whether he's ever going to return it because that's being like God. And we do good because God has already been good to you. You're aware, you have this awareness of how good God has been to you. God loves you. He knows your every need. He will take care of you. And then that summary of what the golden rule looks like that we went through before, I mean, that's, that, that is all things God does for you abundantly all the time. We, do, we just go through it here. God offers mercy over judgment. He offers to reconcile rather than judge you. God loves you for who you and what you are and not for what he can get out of you. God is faithful and devoted to you. God is honest and true toward you. God shows you daily mercy. God provides for your daily need. God gives wisdom and understanding and counsel and advice. God comforts those who mourn. And he does all this because he is good and because he knows your needs and because he knows your, your needs cannot be fully met without him and apart or apart from him. So our motivation for living the golden rule is because we've received undeserved grace ourselves. We do it out of gratitude to God. We do it out of, of love for God and a desire to follow him, to be like him. And it, so if you're, if you're living by this principle, then you are being like your heavenly father. But if you are withholding grace and mercy from others, if you're hardening your heart, 
Well, then you have not yet understood God's undeserved grace. And you still have pride. And Ephesians 5, 17 through 24 kind of, kind of spells this out, that this heart condition of, of hardness of heart and newness of heart. And it says, Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to, to put on that, the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So the hard heart will not change except by the miracle of grace in Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins to take away your sins and give you new life. That is what can change the hardest of hearts. But if, but we see that the hard heart does not change except by this miracle of grace. And but the heart that is renewed by grace will imitate God. So if you're a follower of Christ and he has done this work in your life, then you will be imitating him. You will be following after him. You will change. And now I, I want to add one caution here about the golden rule. We should be aware that, that the world around us abuses this rule. Uh, they even twist it to serve themselves and not and not God. And there's a story I, I lived <laughs> that illustrates this. It was my first year of the Navy, young officer, and uh, I was standing in an elevator with an older sailor, and he starts complaining to me about how his wife had found his emails between him and his mistress. And he's complaining to me. And uh, yeah, yes, I was shocked too. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't believe, I just couldn't believe he was sharing this with me. And how did he want the golden rule to apply to him in that moment? What did you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you? What did he want me to do unto him? He wanted sympathy from me. He wanted empathy. Oh man, that's so bad that you got caught cheating on your wife. That's a rough one, buddy. I feel for you. That's what he wanted from me. He's sharing this with me because that's what he wanted from me. Now, obviously, I could not give that. In fact, I, I was so flabbergasted, I didn't say a word to him. I'm, I'm hoping in, in hindsight that, that my, my silence and the look of disgust on my face spoke for itself. <laughs> um, and, and so I mean, we have this here. And I hope we get it here. They don't, the golden rule cannot be used for this. You know, but, but the world does it. There's this twisted logic that tries to use the golden rule to tolerate or even promote sin. And this perverted logic, it says to itself, well, I wish others would turn a blind eye to my sin so I wouldn't be uncomfortable about my sin. 
So I'm going to turn a blind eye to other sins. Or I wish others would tolerate my sin or even stop calling it sin again so, so I don't have to feel uncomfortable about it. So I, I'm going to tolerate and accept other sins. It's, and it becomes, it's, it's just corruption feeding corruption. You know, you accept my sins, I'll accept yours. And meanwhile, what happens? What's the net result of that cycle? Well, everyone just sinks lower into sin and corruption. And, and the, the golden rule cannot be used this way. Uh, in Matthew 22, there's the account of how the Pharisees, um, word was getting out that Jesus was confounding a lot of the religious teachers. And so the Pharisees got together and they're like, we're going to send our, our top lawyer. We're going we're gonna to go test Jesus. We got him. We're going to send our top lawyer. And so he tests Jesus and he asks him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Catch that phrase again, all the law and the prophets. It's a connected theme, but you can't disconnect these things. So love for God is the first and great commandment. And, and if you love, if you elevate love for neighbor, you know, love for neighbor, above love for God, then you have lost your way because you, you cannot love without God. And you'll have a distorted, perverted idea of love if you don't have God. But on the other hand, if you love God, he, then you must love your neighbor also because your neighbor is a precious, immortal soul for whom Jesus died. So when you, and when you do this, when you love God above all and love your neighbor, then you are being children of your heavenly Father. And so we, we love because God loves us. And your grace, your graciousness towards others, that is fueled by God's grace towards you. And so what should you do with this? Well, determine today that, that you will treat each person as God's grace would treat them. And keep your focus on God's undeserved love for you in Jesus. Because in Jesus, that, that's where your reward is. It's not in, in the, well, I hope I get some back from the good I've done to them. No, your reward is in Jesus. Your life is in him. And all God's grace towards you is in him. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your your wonderful words to us in Scripture that show us what is good, what is so good and precious and, and how we can live lives that honor you and that are righteous and, um, and how we can have grace from your Son to forgive us our sins, to wash us from our sin and cleanse us and give us new hearts. And I pray that um, if any of us is struggling with hardness of heart, callousness towards others, um, that you would do your, your work, your work in our hearts to, to soften our hearts towards each other so that we may love as you would have us love. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.